Saline County, Arkansas, where we record this podcast. And in fact, a train goes right behind Mark's house, which is where the studio is. We hear the train pass by, what, probably like 8, 30, 9 o'clock every night. We yeah. usually record this podcast about that time. Generally, I don't know if you're a regular listener, but you might be able to hear that boy steam through. Now, imagine if you were driving that same train, because someone was Sunday, August 23rd, 1987, going from Texarkana, Arkansas to Little Rock with a shipment. Normal night. These are professional railroad employees who drive the same tracks all the time. As a engineer, when you're watching the tracks, you're the guy who spots everything, make sure you're on course. You run over a lot of things, animals, all the time. The deer don't know any better. They walk out onto the track, find a little snack to chomp on. You start coming through with your train. Trains, the, the legal speed limit, 25 miles per hour. However, it's 300 feet of fucking steel. Good luck stopping that in time to, to, to keep a deer alive. You know, you're not going to risk jamming up a train and killing all your crew members to save a deer's life or a bear's life or mountain lion or whatever type of Arkansas wildlife you'll run into. Point is, that's super common. You're driving 25 miles per hour. You see an animal. You put the brakes on. It takes a good nine minutes to stop it all the way at 25 miles per hour. That seems insane, right? Yeah. When that happens, you jump off the train. You see an absolute bloodbath, guts and gore. You just smashed a big-ass animal, which sprayed its entrails everywhere. On this particular night, when the brakes got slammed on because something was laying on the track, the closer they got, the faster they realized that it was human carcasses they were looking at as opposed to animals. On the track, 1987, cold Sunday night. Except it was August, but it sounds cooler when it's cold. Yeah. They ran over two young boys underneath an unmistakable bright blue tarp. When the train finally got stopped and the engineer jumped off to look and see what the carnage was, they didn't see any blood. What did they see? Body parts sprayed everywhere. We're going to try to figure out how that thing could happen here on Death Metal Two dead boys. That's what we're picking up. First of all, Happy New Year, you sons of bitches. Yep, we know what you guys wish for. You wish for. Some pleasure and some treasures. Made of like bees and seeds. James Hetfield? Yeah. That you were doing? We did a night there. Yeah, I've got, man, I saw them in Arkansas yeah. when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And you could get online on Metallica's website and download the live <laughs> show. And I, and I still had the CDs, but <laughs> I fucking threw them on one day and it was like, What's up, little rock? Yeah, y'all. Man, so cool. <laughs> Dude, the, uh, I was at work. And depending on who I'm working with, some, I'll, just, I'll just put on something fucking terrible. You know what I mean? And I put on load. And that is like, he had some type of quota to hit with the hairs. Because every line on the entire album, I would challenge you to find 10 times where he is at the end of a fucking sentence and doesn't, yeah! It's so much. It's hard. It's like he just went and had vocal lessons for a few years because I think that there was like a pretty long period between. Was the Black Album what came out before Load? 
Yeah. We're not going to do a lot of Metallica talk, but we, something changed in him. And he was doing it a bunch in Black Album, and I'm sure someone was like, that's what sounds good, yeah. But he came back with Load, my man, and every fight just... Hey, are you hunting? Yeah, forgive me. Yeah. I remember being a kid. Well, I was little, but I remember my mom's friend talking about it. It's like, yeah, the new Metallica album. They like, they uh, took a bunch of cum and <laughs> they made it look like lava. Because that's what those two albums are. Yeah, and reload, yeah it's the name. I think I'm pretty sure it's cum and cow's blood. Cum and cow's mixed blood. Mixed together, which is pretty fucking hard considering what that shit sounds like. Who's anyway, what I, I don't know. Who the fuck knows? We're here talking about the Clinton conspiracies. That's what we got into last week. We gave you a a whole lot of factual evidence on Bill Clinton's character. Things that you can trace back, you know, beyond the Alex Jones, David Icke type of bullshit conspiracies where you could go any way you want to pretend that Hillary is a reptile. We try to take a very logical, informative path. And let you know things that are easy to corroborate that Bill Clinton was directly involved with. Most importantly, with what ties into tonight to make it all make sense, the MENA connection, which is where the regime that Bill Clinton was in charge of channeling all the way to the CIA, which at the time that this was happening, George Bush Sr. was in charge of, Mm -hmm. was funneling in cocaine through an unassuming part of America, which was easy to do because where we live, even today, is an incredibly corrupt political system. Yeah. And it's like that the more and more you look at it in small southern towns where you can have particular families set up dominance in an area and continue on for generation after generation of being the shot callers in a town. But, you know, the the drug war in the 80s, this is a... You know where we're from. This is this is nothing new. I mean, people still talk about it, and so you know the Reagan era in the eighties, the you know drug war. You know, just say no shit. Yeah, this is a uh, prime time. But during this time, the the co conspirators of the entire drug trade are fucking government. You know? Yeah, yeah. That makes a ton of sense because if you're controlling the market. You know, you're making it harder to get the product for anyone else. It's easier for you to, you know, it's just like typical criminal tactics. You have something that you want to make the most amount of money off of. You don't want competitors. So you make it almost impossible for a competitor to come and uh, squeeze in on what you're doing. And the government's been doing, they they were doing this shit way before the, the drug war. Oh yeah. You know, so the MK ultra, you know, the mind control programs, they were testing LSD out on soldiers and yeah. doing all that. stuff. Sure. And then they figured out, I was like, well, we better make this a fucking, you know, where it's completely illegal. There is no medical use for this shit because it makes you think for yourself. Yeah. And again, to the lay person, when you hear something like MK ultra, you think, Oh, lizard people, dinosaurs, yeah. uh, yeah. false flags, Sandy hook. Yeah. Look, uh, it, it's a verified thing. Yeah. That's, that's now at a MK ultra, did they make super soldiers? Probably not. No. But what they did for sure do is take like Ted Kaczynski and fry their fucking brains yeah. with way too much acid and psychological torment Yeah, on purpose to yeah. see what would happen. Yep. This is, uh, we, the, the empire that we live in has been fucking doing this kind of shit 
since forever. It's it's nothing new. Right. But what it is is they get some kind of there's always some fucking idiot that is able to market it to fucking other idiots. And so it makes everybody that talks about this kind of shit we're talking about seem crazy. And you're listening to two metalheads, dudes with fucking metal shirts on. Yes. Don't take baths regularly. Ah, uh, speak for yourself. Well, I do. I mean, I, every two days. <laughs> I think I guess that's regular, but it's gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, as soon as I start smelling like a baked potato, I you smell. I guarantee you smell bad right now. No, I smell good. Okay. Um, you smell bad every day. No, I was coming out of the shower. I should no, dude. My hygiene. But today you smell good. Yeah. Did you come out of the shower today? Yeah. Okay. Well, see, you catch me when I'm coming out of restaurant work. Yeah. So I smell like a restaurant, sure, because that's how I earn my stupid fucking living. For sure. Now, where we're going with all of this drug talk, conspiracy talk, is directly related to these two kids being run over by a train. Kevin Ives and Don Henry, teenage boys, got caught up in some deep-level... What sounds like high-end government insanity, but at the end of the day, is just... Good old boy, back roads, country politics. Things like this go on every place in America currently. And before we had the internet, I'm sure it happened way more. And if it still happens at a, at a high level today, it's got to be some well aware of how media works behind closed doors shit that we just aren't privy to. This started kind of the precedence of how you should run and conduct business if you're going to do it behind the scenes correct because people found out about it so quick yeah i mean and then also uh and again you know before i go into the direct details i just want to tell you up top this is what i i like to do with conspiracies is uh if you if you know the, where we live in arkansas a lot of people are going to listen to this yeah because of what the case is and a lot of people are going to get mad um for one there's the other side of people who get mad that it like the whole thing is just bullshit and if you bring it up, you keep bringing this bullshit up and shitting on the Clintons, and with, who are great people. You know, there, there's people in Arkansas, and I'm sure everywhere else in the country, that will live and die for Clinton bullshit. Yeah. Um, and there's the other side of it where they're even more conspiratorial than we are, and we're not. I'm not going to touch on the points that are super ludicrous. I mean, you could go on for hours about all the alleged tie-ins to this. Which I did. You know, I dove down the worst rabbit holes and took in all the information that I could. And what I've come up with is like what seems to be the most logical thing to happen. Because for a fucking fact, Kevin Ives and Don Henry died on this track. Now, the first thing that happened is when the train ran them over, the engineer jumped out, went to examine the bodies. And again, trains run over animals all the time. And when that happens, there's a spray of blood. There's guts everywhere. Yeah. It would piss an engineer off because you're responsible with your team that's there at the time, which is a small crew for cleaning it up. You can't bring back a dirty train. So if you run over a big animal and it makes a huge mess, that fucks your whole night up because now you got to clean off blood and guts for hours. Yeah. Gross. Uh, when they got out, the first thing they noticed, you know, they none of the people involved had ever hit a human before. That happened a lot with trains. A lot of suicides happened via train. First yeah, of all, yeah, like that's one thing to definitely point out is that uh, at this point in history, a very common way to kill yourself is to lay down on the tracks because you know it's instantaneous, terrible fucking death. But but you get ripped apart so fast by so much pressure 
I mean, we, no one knows because we can't talk to anyone that's died, but you got to assume that getting crushed by a train is pretty quick. Well, it usually takes your brain, I think, eight minutes. before. That's the last thing to go is your brain. Ugh. So it, your brain's still active for eight minutes after Jesus. you pass. So. Yeah. But uh, you probably aren't processing pain. Like you think about where, so that's eight minutes, but if you like cut your finger and uh, until you notice that you're bleeding, you don't really feel it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And plus your adrenaline and shit and your body floods you with DMT, like all those factors combined, it's probably comparatively a pretty easy way to go out. Yeah. Just getting fucking blown apart by a train. Yeah. Cause I'm, and you could look up a video right now. I mean, it, it blows you up. Like you're just, your pieces of you are everywhere. Unless you shoot yourself in the head because your brain's dead first. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But a lot of people, that gets fucked up a lot of times. Dude. Yeah. Seen, I've seen a lot of shit where it's like a re, like facial reconstruction surgery yeah. after people did it and then they realize that they didn't actually want to oh, do it. I know a guy right now when I, when I, because I work with the homeless, but there's yeah. a guy that did that and he shot himself twice. Oh. And, and he did, he did it with a small gun. It wasn't a big one. Right. Like a 22 or something. No, it was, it wasn't a, quite a 22, but it was, oh, I don't know what the like fuck. Like a 25. It was. Yeah. I don't know what the yeah. hell, but. I mean, he did it twice, but his fucking sure. face is all fucked up. He don't have an eye. It's just, uh, you know, whatever. But yeah. Yeah, it's crazy shit. Whew. Yeah, I mean, that's the even scarier side of suicide. Is it not working out? Jesus, yeah. God. Well, we're going to um, get into that. Too. Yeah, I guess we are. Um, yeah, and it, even right here. So when they found this, of course, they called the police right away. As soon as they realized this was human beings. Now, again, he saw the bodies. But in, you, you know how your brain works. You look at it, and you're like, that's not that. That can't be people. That's not going to be people. Like, you know, one person may kill himself, but not two. Yeah. And no one's just going to lay there. You know what I mean? That's not possible. And so they get off the train. And sure enough, they start. They notice body parts right away. And before they do anything, I mean, you're also you're everyone's squeamish. You're not going to go start examining things. So, you know, they get on the radio. They had the police called. Everyone starts to show up. And what I'm saying about the animals is the first thing the engineer noticed is that there was no blood. Yeah. No blood. Which we all know how human bodies work because we watch shit like CSI, Law and Order. Um, anytime that there's like a gruesome crime scene where someone gets killed and then like a serial killer or a fake killer assembles the body a certain way. That's how they know that they, they made it the crime scene look like this. They didn't yeah. die right there because when you get killed and everything expels your body, that leaves a giant fucking bloody, gory, horrible, shitty, pissy, cummy stain. Yeah. And then when you move the body away from that, it's easy to tell for anyone that's a professional examiner. Well, I wonder, I mean, like, I'm sure you're going to get into it. I, was it all the blood drained or maybe it was frozen to can, you know, to be able to like, like a uh, Iceman used to do, uh, he would freeze bodies. Yeah. That way it would confuse the time of death. Sure. Because they wouldn't bleed, you know, they wouldn't bleed out as fast. So you just yeah, not the case here. It's just like as you know, uh, think about when you cut your arm, how your body naturally congeals the wound. You get a scab over it. Mm -hmm. uh, the same thing happens even if it's like a mortal wound. Like you bleed for a long time, but it, eventually that's going to congeal, and a lot you lose blood. Yeah, you know. So well, you clot. You know, even exactly. after you're dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said congeal. Get yeah, clot's the right word. So anyway, the the first thing that happens here sketchy with this whole thing is that the, the bodies are, are taken in and they're autopsied. So the police, the, the investigation that they do, you know, of course for the parents involved. Now one of the parents is completely silent, but uh, Kevin Ives mom, Linda Ives is still battling this thing out. But the Henry's parents are They don't want to be in the public media. They don't want to talk about it. Totally understandable. Yeah. Because that's a, you know, just imagine you, you have one child 
You've raised them. They're taken away. And, you know, everyone processes grief different, different, but, uh, you know, you don't want to be fighting it out with the cops and the media for the rest of your life. I, I completely understand that. So we, we're going to hear a lot from Linda Ives, who's Kevin Ives mom. Now, Dr. Malik is the, um, state medical examiner. He does the autopsy. Uh, and again, the police don't treat it like a crime scene at all. They just come out, basically scrape at the body parts and then they have to do the official autopsy because that's how it works. Yeah. You had two kids. You got to determine like was it suicide, like what happened here? Why did they do that? Was there alcohol in their system? Was there drugs in their system? What led them to do this? What Dr. Malik says for his theory is that they smoked 20 joints. That's how high the level of THC in their body was and passed out on the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, the train ran them over. Uh, questions that came up instantly were like, well, what about the tarp? And how, like, you know, and anyone, you know, and again, this is the 80s, so, you know, I feel like a lot of people understood what smoking weed was like. It, it yeah. even then still wasn't like a big deal. It's just pot, but it's highly illegal, especially in Arkansas. Well, I mean, like, I mean, just people before that time period, though, my grandpa, even before he died, he was like, He's like, no, I've saved somebody from overdosing on it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, they're in the back of the mall parking lot, <laughs> passed out, but the but their uh, steering wheel was turned all the way to the right, and they were just doing donuts. They had to jump in the car and pull him out. It's like, no. It wasn't pot, my guy. It was not pot, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, right. Because, you, you know, there's a whole generation of people in between the 60s and present day that have never used pot at all because they bought into the propaganda. Because well, they're a, pro- they're a product of the fucking drug war. Correct. You know? Exactly. Bought into the propaganda, so they think that it, it's as hard of a drug as anything else. Yeah. There's people that really do think like that. So that is essentially what Dr. Malik uh, blamed the entire thing on. And Dr. Malik, uh, the, this is the first person to look at. He's super sketchy. For one, good friends with Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, th- that's going to come up a lot when they write articles about this, because this particular case, as far as trying to bring out corruption on a national scale, got picked apart a lot. The New York post, the New York times, the LA times, all types of super reputable news organizations ran stories about how corrupt Bill Clinton was as he was running for the presidency and like his regime, which included Dr. Malik and Dr. Malik kept coming up over and over and over again. And Bill Clinton had to defend him in the media several times. Now, first of all, uh, over 20 times he made the wrong call in an autopsy. Yeah. And now he did 7,000 autopsies while I worked for the state. So if that was the small amount that he did overall, that'd be, that be I'm talking 20 giant errors that were completely made up bullshit. And here's a couple of the craziest examples I found one Raymond Albright. He was shot five times in the chest with a Colt 45 large caliber bullet clear as day. What happened? Someone shot him in the chest five times ruled as suicide. Yep. There's no way you can shoot yourself in the chest five times. We're going to get into that. Uh, James Dewey Mullum. This guy was fucking straight decapitated. Yeah. His head was clearly cut off with a knife. Why a knife? Because uh, you could tell in the way he was decapitated. It's like you never do. They start from the fucking bottom of the uh, mouth and go back. I don't know. But you know how if you like take an orange and you have a big knife Mm -hmm. and you could just go right down the middle. Or if you try to cut an orange with like a steak knife and you have to go all the way around it. It was like an uneven line. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like it went right through. So it wasn't like something that cut right through. It was clear 
that it was a smaller knife that had been used. Now, Dr. Malik's cause of death for that and ulcer. And okay. so when they came back and said, Dr. Malik, how the fuck does this guy? And he, they didn't, he just didn't have a head when he came out with the story. Yeah. It was gone. He said, well, uh, the dog ate his head off. What? Because there was a dog in the house. He said he tested the dog's vomit and that the dog had been barfing up pieces of head. Metal. Yeah, very metal, but also like <laughs> completely impossible. Yeah, that's bullshit. And uh, he came out with that, and it was a big deal in the media at the time. Like, you know, they never heard of anything like this. And then some news organizations are running with the story like, dog eats man's head. And then they found the fucking head. Yeah. So his entire story went out the window, and he had to go ahead and say, yeah, I made that shit up. So stories are just running. No, stop doing that, please. I want to drink more of it. All right. Stories are just running about... uh. About Dr. Malik all the time. He's a controversial figure, even without the kids on the track case. Now, when that came up, the thing about the, his official autopsy is, is the parents of the kids didn't buy it right away. And not only the parents, but everyone. How could, again, 20 joints aren't going to make somebody pass out no. to the fucking point where they just lay down under a tarp on a train track and let a train run them over. Unless they're using that tarp to have spray paint. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that could be. I mean, I did that. And then you have to do that. it at like the right time, right? Yeah, you you're a huffing expert. Let's go back to your fucking king of the oh, huff man. culture. Yeah, I started. When, I see. I first started huffing when I was eight. How does you as an eight year old decide to huff something? Man, I saw a fucking uh, thanks to Ronald Reagan in the drug war. I saw a yeah. fucking just don't do it ad, but it was like a kid huffing, and they were like. <laughs> Spraying fucking uh, room like room sand, like deodorant and shit in there. I found out real quick. Lysol you cannot get high on. It'll fuck your shit up. <laughs> like you don't want to. Like it kills ninety nine point nine percent of your fucking germs. You won't get the flu. You huff <laughs> that shit. You're not getting the flu. Man, fuck flu shots. You can't trust the government putting but, fucking weird metals in that. But you know what? We'll clean you out as a fucking. Big balloon rip of Lysol. No, yeah, no, yeah, it will, man. That's how you get rid of the flu. Fuck the flu shot. But Rough Lysol. Well, I found out, I was like, man, I'll just fucking rip some Glade. Glade deodorant, dude. Oh, oh my God. God. You went to the moon. Oh, man. dude, it takes you away. And I, and, I, <laughs> and I couldn't stop. Yeah. And so I did for, like, I tried to for a little bit. How man. long do you get high when you do a big huff? Like three seconds? No, dude, like, I mean, man, I was doing like 40. Mm. I didn't even stop when I was a teenager. I just kept doing it, man. And then uh, fucking one time I hallucinated because I did too much. I was about to overdose. It was snowing outside. Yep. The Walmart bag turned into a diaper. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, I'm huffing turds. <laughs> and then I fucking got real hot and took all my clothes off and got butt naked and laid in the snow, dude, and fucking slept. Because right, I had to cool I've down. I've seen you do that a couple of times. Yeah, but I had to cool the fuck yeah, down. Man. It's got overheated from the huff. Similar fucking overdoses tobacco. So trying to blame this thing on 20 joints and kids passing out is stupid as shit. They're not huffing Glade products as that would have come back in the autopsy. So what the family does is they get with different lawmakers in the state, hire a lawyer, and they hire a second opinion on the autopsy. Now, what they go for is one of the most renowned homicide – what do you call an autopsy doctor? Examiners, medical examiners. Yeah. In the entire country, they hire this dude, Dr. Joseph Burton, and he is who comes in for second autopsy opinions because let's say you are a prosecutor or defense. 
and you need to figure out everything that happened. He will go back through, and it's so precise at, at going through evidence and figuring out what happened here, what happened there, and, and it's just simple shit that you look at. And, like, you know, if, on first impression, Dr. Burton is just blown away by the unprofessionalism of Dr. Malik, yeah. who, again, is a high-paid state medical examiner. Um, he isn't, there's another lady in charge that Bill Clinton ends up taking with him when he becomes president and makes her the attorney general. Um, prior to that though, Dr. Malik came under a ton of fire on top of him being terrible at his fucking job already. Uh, when Joseph Burton gives it the second autopsy, he says it's a homicide. Very clearly. Kevin Ives' head was smashed in with a rifle barrel, but yeah. like the butt of the gun. He got fucking smacked like several times. His skull was just broken apart. Again, uh, when the train ran him over, it was the midsection of their body. Their heads were hanging off the other side of the rail. Like you've seen train tracks, you would have to be a baby to fit in between them and get all the way yeah. run over. So part of their body is hanging off. It's the head part. Don Henry was stabbed to death. So Joseph Burton rules it as a homicide. Yeah. Now, the problem here with Arkansas is anywhere else you live, that would become the official verdict. Well, I think, I think too, uh, whoever killed them, central intelligence agency, uh, they probably laid their body strategically on the track to be like, Oh, they committed suicide. And so when that happened, you know, it's like, well, this let's back up the, let's make sure that the drug war never ever ends. And uh, these boys smoke 20 joints so they can kill themselves and lay on the track. Right. Double serving. That's a great point. Uh, so when this comes out, Dr. Mallet goes under fire. Every news outlet tries to get a hold of him to do an interview. He will not do it. So of course they do what the fucking media does and they just kind of ambush him. And, uh, a local reporter grabs him and, and puts a camera in his face and asks, him several questions about his career, the controversial things that have gone on and why in this particular case is one doctor saying this, who is renowned, who doesn't make mistakes, who is known nationwide for how good he is at this particular job. And his answer is, is that uh, he's done 7,000 autopsies, never made one mistake. He has been an expert witness hundreds of times in cases where what he said has sent someone to jail. So this entire case aside, knowing how bad this guy is at his job, you got to think that out of several hundred, how many of those has he been the reason why an innocent person went to prison for forever? So many or vice versa. How many times has he gotten some scumbag to walk free? Yeah. I mean, he's, he seems to be a pawn or just so bad at what he's doing that he's, he is an unknowing pawn. Yeah. Like he's so shitty at his job that they're using him to make shit calls and then writing on that he's been doing it for this amount of time. Or he's been involved in many of uh, cover-ups. You know, that's well, th- th- this is what Who I'm knows? saying is like, it, it, you know, it, it could be that he's that stupid or it could be that he's a willing participant. And then he goes on to say that the reason that people don't trust him is because he's Egyptian, which I would have to agree with. <laughs> He does that magic shit. What a funny, what a funny fucking specific like race to be mad at in modern Egyptian? times. Yeah, an Egyptian. I've never heard anyone not liking an Egyptian before. 
Yeah. Like, we, well, <laughs> like going back to like, fucking, like hieroglyphics, yeah. like the old fucking, like, oh man, you guys were doing weird shit with those mummies and the fucking. Yeah, well, they're, they're the OG Illuminati, man. That's why they use it all CNI. Yeah, that pyramid that you climb to the top. Yeah. That's what's supposed to be up there is a big fucking eye hole. You know what I learned about Egyptians? That's the dumbest shit ever, man. What's that? I, uh, I had to take some of the kids to the, from the shelter that I work at to mm-hmm. a magic show, Maxwell Blade. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, here is. The- and I implore you to Google. Maxwell Blade. Oh, you yeah, gotta yeah. take a look at this guy to get the full experience. Oh, it's Ty still rocking a fucking <laughs> oh, the a beautiful, profound, life changing mullet. Yeah, and uh, you know what happens, man? Is this is that he's like you know the ball and cup trick where the you know how people like put the cup over the top of the ball and they do yeah. whatever. Yeah, he's like they've been doing this since Egyptian times. There's hieroglyphs whoa, whoa, whoa. of it, and it's like whoa, that's fucking <laughs> that is Egyptian magic. Dude. That's Egyptian <laughs> there magic. There we go. <laughs> They're just doing magic. history magic. It's just fucking David Blaine's original line yeah. carried down all the way to him. Fucking you ready to watch this? Soon? What I'm gonna do is you tell me what card is yours, and then I'll show you what I picked. You know what we really need to do, man. So, like, that dude's back at the Malco, which is a big fucking movie theater that's supposed yeah. to be haunted. You got to really specify this because we don't have a lot of Arkansas listeners. No. And you need to probably get closer to the mic. You're too. right, man. So, look. Jesus. Yeah, I got close. Yep. So, look. The the, the Malco is like the original fucking uh, movie theater, performance arts theater in Hot Springs. Right. Uh that's where I saw and going back to Maxwell Ninja Blade. Turtles. Oh, you Ninja, saw Ninja Turtles? I saw there? that there, man. Tight. Yeah. And then uh, Maxwell Blade bought it and turned it to where he performed at. Well, yeah. he he uh, rebought that place, <laughs> but it's also supposed to be one of the most haunted places in Arkansas. Mm. And we know what we should do. We should stay the night there and hang out with Maxwell Blade. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm with it, dude. That guy is that guy is cool for sure. I'm oh yeah, he's got to be right man. Now. That guy's fucking tight. There's no way that that dude doesn't fucking rip. All right, so it's just to keep the fucking continuity moving here, state prosecutor. I'm sorry, the Saline County prosecutor's name is Dan Harmon at the time. Deputy prosecutor, a man named Richard Garrett. Now, why is that important? Because that's what's going to really drive the conspiratorial theories here. Um, when the second autopsy opinion was given and the state chose not to agree with that, that becomes a legal matter because you have two doctors, both of them equally qualified. One is the state of Arkansas. So they, I guess, automatically get the privilege to usurp the outside doctor's line of thought. However, it's very easy for a good lawyer to come in and say, you're wrong. I can prove you're wrong. I'm going to take you to court over being wrong so we can get justice for these families. And that's exactly what happens. The families of the boys, who, again, we can mostly lean on uh, Mrs. Ives because the other parents basically remained media silent the entire time took the state of Arkansas to court. So what happens is that they have to get a grand jury. It's not quite the Supreme court, but it's essentially, you know, the highest you can get before that. So you have judge John Cole in charge of the whole thing. The evidence that's presented in this is everything I just told you, you know, these were boys um, they, they lay out what were they doing in the in the woods? Well, in Saline County, Arkansas, there's there's a few towns. You have Bitten, Alexander, Bryant. Am I missing anything here? I think that's it. Yeah. So it's it spans three small towns. Now they're bigger today. 
you're essentially dealing with suburbs of Little Rock. It's between Hot Springs and Little Rock. Those are two major areas that they lie between traveling via Interstate 30. Yeah, the interstate is a big, the big thing here. Is, right. Is that. You know. um, in the 80s, the population was like not even half of what it is now. So as Little Rock has expanded and Hot Springs has expanded, you've come with a lot of commuters to Little Rock that have moved to the area. It's a nice area. I mean, we're here right now. I like it. Um, but at the time, it was way more wooded. You don't have as many, much residential development. It's super country. In other words, you've got backwoods kids. And what do backwoods kids do for fun? They hunt. They fish. They're outdoors all the time. Yep. So these kids are super outdoorsy kids for their entire life. They've gone out into the woods at night. They've gigged frogs. They've hunted deer. They've hunted squirrel. They've hunted raccoons. They've hunted possums, armadillos. All types of small game, which sounds unusual if you live outside of this area of the world. Today, you wouldn't really find this particular thing happening here in Saline County. But if you go 20 minutes south, still, motherfuckers are eating raccoons. Yeah. All the time. Oh, yeah. Living off of it, which I appreciate people living off of, like, game food. But a fucking raccoon? Yeah. I'm just saying, but hunting small game, that is what comes with the territory. Have you read wild turkey before? Like not, not the yes. liquor clearly, Both. but just like, yeah. okay. Yeah. My, my, uh, my stepfather passed away. He was an avid hunter. I mean, he hunted out of season. Yeah. I mean, shit would just come into Georgia and kill Sure. Him. Yeah. And, uh, where he, where he lived at, uh, the, uh, Arkansas game and fish commission didn't give a fuck. Right. But, uh, man, if you can get your hands on a turkey that somebody kills, it is so fucking delicious. Yeah, dude, it's super good. Uh, you know, the the thing, well, let's not fucking Joe Rogan and explain why Wild Games. Anyway, yeah, point, yeah. point being is that these kids were out in the woods all the time. That's regular for the area we live in. Even though it's a town, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Sling Blade before, yeah. that is it. The, that Sling Blade was filmed in early 90s Saline County. Yeah. It's exactly like that. Uh, now it's grown up a lot, but at that time, there ain't shit going on. No. So it's not abnormal. These kids are just off in the woods having a good fucking time. Well, and the thing, like around this time period, you know, Bill Clinton, he's in the presidency in the 90s, and uh, his whole thing was like, get away from the whole, these are backwoods, yeah. dumb fuck retards that just drink fucking moonshine and don't do nothing but farm. <laughs> yeah. And he was trying to integrate, you know, like the free trade and do all that shit and try to show that people were yeah. smarter than what you, you thought. And, and they really are. People have the wrong idea about Arkansas. Oh, for sure. You know, it, there there is that community, but there is a lot of really intelligent people that, that live in this area you know it's it's not anything yeah, like- i mean just because like i like outdoor shit small population i mean it's not like i've i've got plenty of things to that i could move into a city and do well yeah. but i just don't like it yeah and there's yeah, so yeah. many people out there like that uh but point point i'm getting at here is in front of the grand jury essentially they didn't they wanted to know why the boys were in the woods at the time yeah. they wanted to know what they were up to uh, why did they have so much thc in their system which you know if they did have a ton of THC, again, the area that we live in now at that time, there was tons of homegrown pot. Yeah. Uh, we live in an area that's famous for having homemade liquor, uh, moonshine, pot. This is all kid shit. Yeah. If you're 14, 15 years old, you guys know for a fact. It ain't a big fucking deal. 
Uh, nothing weird. Like if you went outside and, you, and me and you, me and Buddy at fifteen split a joint and we're shooting raccoons. That's good old fashioned fun. Yeah, ain't nothing bad happening. We're just having a good time. Yeah, neither one of us is gonna fall over and die or fucking pass out on a railroad track. We're just gonna listen to fucking uh, L.A. Guns and fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on top of that, the parents, which you know, again, they're gonna keep it a secret from you. Now the kids had mullets, so I I think they smoke pot. There ain't nothing that's a secret. Well, the parents were pretty positive that the kids had never smoked weed, drank anything. Yeah. I highly disagree because there's nothing to do here. They're probably smoking reefer with them. Right. There's nothing to do here. The kids have fucking ripping mullets, which can only mean one thing. They're up to partying. You know what I'm saying? Maxwell Blade got a ripping mullet. Yeah, but again, it's not a problem. That doesn't give definitive evidence towards literally anything. Except that I imagine that they were smoking weed. They were probably in the woods fucking having a good time now with the grand jury wants to find out is why they were in the woods uh, that's a given fact there they want to know how they died there's two differing opinions so what the grand jury now has to look at is how what transpired between them going in the woods getting high and ending up on the railroad tracks well you have one Powerful experts saying that they were gun butted to death, stabbed to death, and then put on the railroad tracks to make it look like they were killed that way. Yeah. And then you have the state fucking medical examiner who's got a shit track record saying that they passed out on the track and got run over. The state with uh, this particular fucking judge, John Cole, once again, goes with the state medical examiner. He backs that up completely, says there's no, no, no shady business here from everything that he's looking at in front of him, that uh, everything is the way the medical examiner said and throws the case out. Yeah. Now, while that grand jury investigation is going on, I mean, in the exact time that it's happening, um, two of the witnesses that were supposed to be called before it was over with, uh, Keith Cooney, which we'll get to his involvement in it, uh, and we'll, I'm sorry, Coney. I always want to say Cooney. It's got two O's in it. Yeah, okay. But it's Coney. Okay. Keith Coney was with the boys on the night that they were killed, murdered, unsolved. Uh, Keith McCaskill, Kevin Coney went to Keith McCaskill, told him something that he had seen and what happened the night before. Yeah. And he was murdered. Okay. And uh, we'll get into like the absolutely bananas. Well, this puts a hole in their game. If they would have been smart, they would have blamed him for the murders. Right. And so. Well, because they're doing, they're doing reactive shit. Like, like what happened. And I'm going to give the layout of, again, what I can most reasonably say in like a fairly provable context, what I think happened. Uh, as opposed to what the what the state said and what the super conspiracy people said um, occurred. But so two of the people that were called to be witnesses in the grand jury investigation, unsolved murders at the time that both of them had been killed and there was no definitive proof or reason as to why. And yet this fucking judge still threw the trial out. That seems insane to me. It seems to heavily corroborate even right there before we get more evidence that there was total bullshit going on. Yeah. And you would think that somebody would step in and put a stop to it. But that's the problem with like small towns. Again, especially before the internet, th- this is what we're looking at. 
they're, they're allowed to just do whatever they want to yeah. at, at the highest level you could get to. Because before you could get to the Supreme Court, a grand jury had to be involved. And when a grand jury was involved, that's who you expect to look at it and say, okay, something weird happened here. Let's send it to the Supreme Court and figure it out. But no, just shut it down. Close off the investigation. Now, around this time, a lady named Jean Duffy became the head of the 7th Judicial Drug Task Force, which the 7th Judicial Area included Saline County. When she starts to set this up, she's dealing with Chuck Banks and Bob Govar. Those are federal employees that deal with this sort of thing. Uh, Gary Arnold is her immediate supervisor. The first day she takes the job, she starts looking into um, what happened on the tracks because the boys had a high concentration of THC and because of rumors that we'll get into as a drug-related homicide. And even when the the second opinion came out from the doctor, the media, which is generally biased to the small town Arkansas shit, even reported that the ruling of the murder was in fact homicide. So it was out there. It was well known in in circles, not just gossip, even in the media, that 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 had been a homicide as opposed to a suicide. So Jean Duffy starts looking into it. And on the very first day that she started looking into it, her supervisor, Gary Arnold told her not to look into any public officials, which she had not yet. She had no idea that anyone that was involved in the murder could have been a public official. Anyone that was involved in any type of drug trading could have been a public official. So that put her off guard. It set her down a loophole as it would any logical person to think, well, he's telling me to not look at any public official and I haven't. And I didn't think about that, which leads me to believe that I should probably look at a fucking public official. So as she is going through different Arkansas state records, she discovers Barry seals who we talked about last time. Now, Barry seals is let pretty low key onto government dealing activities. Now, when I say that again, we, we we're not going to. If you need to go back and listen to last week to understand how he fits in, um, but with his murder, kind of closed the chapter. He could never talk again, so it never came into court. He was hit by a hitman from Colombia before he could testify against the government. Yeah. Well, I think the thing was is like that they they said that he was killed on the on the. Uh, Understanding that he was going to sell out the cartels. Yes. But that's, I mean, the car, who gives, like, in the U.S. government, who gives a fuck? I mean, the cartels are their own thing. They run everything where the country they're at. Yeah. You know, what are they going to do? Go over and fucking get them? No. Well, I mean, maybe, you know. But well, well you, okay. So the reason that why cartels would be afraid of the American people finding out that the government was responsible for funding the cartels via buying cocaine and giving them weapons, it would shut it off for them. Yeah. They don't want to lose the money. They don't want to lose the clients. No. So when, when their clients say, Hey, look, we've given you all these weapons. We've given you all this money. We'll pay you to hit this person because they're going to shut shit down. If you don't come and do it, it was an easy sell. Yeah. So they came and they killed Barry seals And because Jean's looking into the entire story, which we gave last week. So again, we're not going to go back into it. She said would not deal with any of the local law. Yeah. She went 
to Chuck Banks and Bob Govar and said, hey, look, these deaths were drug related and this is easily solvable. I think that Dan Harmon and Garrett were directly involved in these murders. So you cannot involve them in this. This is the information that I have. I'm going to pass it on to you, federal employees, completely bypass them. Now, when I say bypass them, Harmon had become the prosecutor elect for three counties, including Saline. So anything that would be prosecuted, you know, if you don't know how law works, like let's say that uh, I feel like Buddy, let's say Buddy stabbed me. Yeah. And uh, I didn't call 911 for the cops to show up and arrest him. But the next day I'm like, man, I'm fucking stabbed. I'm fucked up. This is bullshit. I uh-huh. want to press charges on him. I have to call the police. And because I didn't call them exactly when it happened, they have to file charges. Then that goes through the uh, the prosecuting attorney. And then the prosecuting attorney says, "Well, that is a crime. He stabbed you. That's illegal." So I'm going to issue a warrant for his arrest. We're going to pick him up and he's going to be charged with this. Yeah. That's the job that Harmon has. Well, here's the thing is I've actually got experience with that. I, you know, when I was doing uh, lots of Xanax and shit on my 21st birthday, Mm -hmm. I was by myself. Mm -hmm. I showed up at Boogie's, Mm -hmm. which is a bar in Hot Springs. Uh, It it has switched locations many times. Uh, I was uh, trying to hit on a girl and... Her uh, quote-unquote husband was like, she's married to me. And I'm like, well, you're gay. Yeah. Because he was definitely gay. <laughs> and Politically correct, for sure. And about that time, he pulled a fucking nail file out, which proved my point. <laughs> and he fucking <laughs> s- stuck me in the fucking stomach with that shit. I got stabbed <laughs> with a nail file. <clears throat> and I was sitting there thinking, like, what the fuck? Fuck, man. It didn't, like, do anything because I was fat as fuck. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, you know, so it was, like, going to not hit any organs. But I was like, you fucking idiot. You stabbed me, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, Arkansas. And um, the girl's like, no, no, no. Don't call the cops because I kicked this dude's ass with a fucking nail file. How have I never heard of this? This is true. (laughs) And and fucking... uh, She's like, I'll suck your dick in your car. I had a Ford Explorer. She sucked my dick in my car as long as I wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> so I have a, like, I, I knew, what was that dude's name that died that was by the Stingray, the fucking guy that was on Animal Planet? Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yeah. So I knew if I pulled that out, I was done. Like, <laughs> you just kept it in there? I kept it in there. Well, you were getting your dick sucked? I got my dick sucked. <laughs> <laughs> With a goddamn fucking nail file stuck in me. <laughs> Dude. I mean, like, she was... Here's the thing. She was way out of my league, yeah, for sure. Okay. You know. Yeah, sounds like it. But I feel like it was her best friend, and she just like... I and I like how that's out of your league. A woman... Oh, my... Okay, keep going. I mean, most women are way out of my league. My wife is way out of my league, yeah, primarily, okay. you know? All right. What do you mean, yeah, okay? Your wife is way out of your fucking league. Yeah, you're a good-looking fucking idiot. Anyways, fucking, uh, yeah. I mean, so I got a beach in the car with a fucking goddamn... Beach, man. That's a classic word that I used to throw around that I forgot about. Yeah, yeah. With a fucking nail file stuck in me. That's as hard. long as I, like, I kick the That's hard. fuck out of this dude. Yeah. Kick his ass. Uh-huh. 
Then, dude, it fucked my Slayer shirt up. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, I go home. I'm like, well, I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to go to the hospital. <laughs> She's like, don't go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll want to know how you They'll want to know. I was filing the fuck out of my nails all fast and shit. And I was still kind of, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, I was still kind of into hardcore and shit. So I was like, well, I'll just go back home. And yeah. my grandpa was like, well, I know how to sew you up. Because he was, he was a state trooper. <laughs> he was a state trooper. Probably helped my helped uh, Bill Clinton get some fucking pussy at some yeah, point in time. Yeah, we talked about that. And uh, uh, he was like, I'm going to sew you up. I'm like, well, just use dental floss. I've seen mm-hmm. Boston Beat Down, you know? Mm-hmm. I heard they got to talk about that shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. I wanted to live that life. Mm-hmm. I got sewed up with dental floss. All right. This is bullshit. Yeah, I know. Everything's bullshit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, are you telling me I'm lying? Because I'm not. I mean, this is I've got the scar. So what's bullshit? The fucking st- I got the scar on my fucking <laughs> stupid goddamn fat Let's see fucking it, pull stomach. It that's just a stretch mark. No, right here, dude. <laughs> that dumb shit. That's not from getting your gallbladder taken out. No, man, that's over here. That's a stretch mark. There's a scar over here. I got that's stretch a mark. stretch mark. You got. Well, you're saying mark. there's a scar. Right? Look, that that is from getting your gallbladder. No, taken it's out. not. All this. Right. <laughs> It's from getting my gallbladder taken out. Well, we're dealing with some real backwoods Arkansas shit. And let's keep going with fucking Dan Harmon. I also like that Dan Harmon is that dude that made fucking Rick and Morty and's got that Harmontown podcast as a scumbag in an entirely different way. Yeah. With this particular prosecutor. Now, once he becomes prosecutor, he, look, and again, the good old boy system, which you don't understand. It sounds like some like, well, the town drunk's all fucked up again and calls in trouble. He done grabbed him a tent, so we're going to have to put him in the drunk take for the night. Should we kick his ass this time, Sheriff? Well, I don't know. Let's lock him up tonight and see if he's sorry for it in the morning. Now, if he grabbed that tit maliciously and not out of drunkenness, we'll whoop his ass a little bit. Well, That's saying, what you yeah. think of as the good old boy system. But what's actually going on here is that this guy, Dan Harmon, is so powerful in a sense when I say powerful that he knows everyone that's important to making you seem like a good person as in he knows reporters he knows police officers as he's been a police officer he knows attorneys as he's an attorney and so he goes to the media who doesn't ask him for any corroboration and for no like other reason other than Gene Duffy is just investigating this case after it's been kicked out of a grand jury, he starts shitting on Duffy in the media. So because this high-level politician is shitting on this high-level drug task force agent, the news prints it out. So he's saying that Duffy is making up things, that she's conspiratorial, that she's trying to cause trouble. The fucking local news is running with stories on this. They don't have anything to report on. Like, what else are they going to talk about? Like, well, there was a possum in Jim Bill's fucking shed, and he went out there, and when he saw that possum, wouldn't you know it was rabbit? So he killed it, cut the head off, we sent it to the state lab. Now, last night, there was a big old meth party across the road, and they didn't cause no trouble, but three of them boys got into a fist fight. One of them got burned up in the campfire yeah that's all they had to report on pro- man, here's another prime example oh my, my mom <laughs> never did any goddamn prison time as she should have oh yeah great I'm, point dude your mom has done more wild things than any wild person that's ever lived i mean that she's only gone to jail for a night or two that's the fact for sure and because your grandpa I was a state trooper had done less yeah definitely deserved a night in the drunk tank sure Never, I've never been arrested. Mm, yeah. Well, 
I got put in some handcuffs, but I got the fuck away. Fucking <laughs> ran all the way to my dad's house. He had the key. <laughs> he let you out and you got away with it. Yeah, <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, no, man. for sure, dude. Your mom is good. Done. Old boy system is still around. Definitely. Man. Yeah, and on a very small level, your mom has done insane shit, like challenging a SWAT team, and then because she's your grandpa's daughter, gotten the fuck I away. Mean, he was with already it. dead. Yeah, but still, just on name principle, because they love him. Man, the system she works. She threw a whiskey bottle like a grenade at him. Yeah, dude, and it bashed. Yeah, anyone else would die. And she was like, dude, "I straight up heard my, my. I got a friend that works for the police department. And goes, yeah. The, over the intercom, <laughs> the fucking sniper goes, "We got a clear shot." <laughs> now, be, because of the, because of the fucking smear campaign that Harmon's done on Gene Duffy, they subpoena her and indict her. Guess who the judge that made the call is? John Cole, once again. Now, John Cole put, at this point, Prosecutor Harmon on and 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 the fucking um, Deputy Prosecutor Richard Garrett on the case of the boys. Why? For one, because of the inner corruption. But they, this is a fact, went to... Judge John Cole's house got drunk. Listen to Willie Nelson records. And while they're doing this shit, begged the judge to put them on the case. He put them on the case. So now, who you have to deal with if you want to get to the truth on what happened with these boys, like, and I'm talking about the prosecutor. So if you wanted to bring charges against somebody, this is who would have to prosecute them. It's yeah. not going to happen because they're involved in it. Am I making sense? Yeah. So Dan Harmon in this role takes all of the evidence that she had given over to the federal agents, Banks and Govar, all of Gene Duffy's files seized by Dan Harmon, who's the prosecutor through Judge John Cole. Now, she gets Jean Duffy gets so fed up with this shit and so tired of her name being drunk through the mud, she moves away, leaves the state, becomes a teacher. Until three years later, this is 1990, 1993, the FBI, because she filed a formal complaint, cleared her name of any type of wrongdoing. She was doing her fucking job, 1993. So she came back to Arkansas, not even for a job, to help the FBI in a 1994 investigation of this case. That's how convicted she was because of what she had seen. And again, this is a 100% reputable, honest human being fighting against a whole corrupt system that saw what it entailed, went after it. Yeah. And got fucked and then came back just because, like, as anger for what she faced and a responsibility to make sure the truth came through. Now let's talk about this shit continuing after she was gone. A new detective moved here. We're talking about 1993. This is five and a half years after the, the train tracks incident had happened. A detective, John Brown had moved to town. He's not familiar with any of it. So people are clamoring to get to the bottom of this shit. The parents, the locals, you know, the parents stay active in the media, which is always a smart thing to do. If there's ever any wrongdoing to your family, like someone's missing, someone's murdered, the more active you can stay, 
the more likely you are to get it solved because people from all over the country are going to look at it. They're going to look into it themselves. And this did become a national obsession because it's so easy to see bullshit and everyone wants to solve a crime. That's why you're listening to this true crime shit. You want to get to the bottom of some crazy shit. I mean, I think it's Channel 5 News out of Fort Smith. There yeah. was a lady there. that She was a rookie fucking reporter. Yeah. And she was able to solve pretty much all this shit. She did a part one and part two of her series of, like, the Mina. The whole Mina everything. Right. Yeah. And uh, there was just so much shit that did not make any goddamn sense. Correct. Except for the fact that it all led to the Clintons. Yeah. You know? I mean... You you can watch the the Mina cover up on YouTube. It's about a two hour and thirty minute long video. It takes a long time to get into. It's all just yeah, regurgitated. That, that shit. one's pretty good. Now it's slow paced, but it it gets like it goes through Mina and how it was involved in this shit. So yeah, um, and she did a good job. You know, she, yeah, she was very Agreed. intelligent. She was fucking great at whatever she was doing. And uh, right, I don't I don't really know. I wonder is she part of the body count? Who knows. I don't. I don't know. I didn't look into it. Yeah, I, I highly doubt that anyone that was an actual fucking reporter got fucking killed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Gary Webb. Yeah. All right. And we can get to Gary Webb after a while. So don't forget that because oh. I completely did. Now, back to John Brown. Uh, because he was new, he didn't have anything to do with it. They didn't think he would get too much into it. He didn't want to risk losing his job. He was assigned to the reopening of the kids' case. They got back into it. He was warned day of again. He didn't ask to take it on, got put into a cop car, driven around for an hour by his immediate supervisor to nowhere is what he says. He said it was super weird. He never dealt with anything like that before. This guy had been a cop for 19 years already. Uh, the supervisor threatened him out and out. He, he, he just kept trying to talk him into it. And he, and he, John Brown would never agree to it. And this made him super hungry to figure out the truth for sure. Because of the the confrontation drove him insane. He was like, yeah, obviously the local law has something to do with this. or the, Otherwise, this wouldn't have happened. Drove him around and was like, hey, you know, if you look into this, all you're going to run into is heartache. You're just going to run into problems. It's just going to be grief for you. It's going to bring extra stress on you and your family. Yeah. You're going to run into dead ends. You're going to get mad. Everything's going to not work out for you. And he just kept being like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do it. And then at the end, the supervisor was like, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, not only will your job be in danger, but your life will be in danger. So stay the fuck away from this case. So he said, okay, and got going, took the case file out. The case file had been robbed of evidence, as in evidence that the FBI had, who had to later go back and confirm that they had had, but couldn't find anymore, all the crime scene photos. Yeah. So all the evidence that the kids had been hit by a train, but there was no blood, everything that could be seen there, uh, they had picked up cigarette butts from the scene of the crime, yeah. all gone. Uh, witness testimonies all gone. Now, Brown had spoken to an anonymous in informant who claimed that the kids were killed. The informant was a prisoner who had been in at the time of the killings and was able to explain the airdrop site to a T. Again, wouldn't have known anything about it unless he had heard it from another prisoner. Yeah. There's no way he could have known that without getting inside information. And he was an informant, so it was his job to find out shit like that. He told Detective John Brown absolutely about that. So Detective John Brown heard about it and thought that sounded insane, but then he went back, opened the MENA files, and spoke to all the different pilots who could have been corroborated with these types of drug runs, even unknowingly. He spoke to five of them. Four out of five pilots confirmed that the area where those train tracks were were known as 
A-12. That was a drop site where pilots made drops, unknowingly of what they were when they were flying over Saline County. Yeah. And again, this is it's kind of hearsay because we're going. But the, again, this guy is a highly decorated detective who retired here uh, because he got harassed over well, this case. Even, even the guy that assisted Barry Seals, like I, I can't, his name doesn't come to mind, but he was a central intelligence agency operative. Um, was able to go through the court system because he was going to be indicted for crimes and was not, he was abolished of all of them. And it came out that he was like speaking the truth. And I mean, he even spoke on Alex Jones several fucking times. I can't think of the guy's yeah. name, but he straight up was like, I assisted Barry Seals in these things. Sure. This was called, uh, you know, it was called something under whatever, whatever the fuck they called it. But he, he came out and said that he unknowingly knew that they were delivering drugs to Arkansas. Right. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, what they had going on is like, even with Barry Seal originally, it was like, okay, you're going to be taking pictures here. You're going to be going over this. You're going to be doing that. It, it was just anonymous packages. And yeah. now Barry Seal, the reason he got so involved is because he questioned it. And then when they told him what it was, he liked it. He agreed yeah. to it. He wanted to make side deals. And they kind of knew that going in. And that helped him out that helped the government out it helped everyone out so that is why they made the circle they did now imagine if you're just a small time pilot and they're like fly from here to here open your fucking cargo doors right here and call don't say anything just call it a day we'll give you this much money everyone's going to be on board with that yeah i mean it's it's like it's sketchy you know it's sketchy but at the same time if you're making money off of something why look a fucking gift horse in the mouth you're just making money and you're none the wiser about anything sketchy going on. No one can blame you for the product that you're carrying. You just knew that you were going from point A to point B, no fault of your own. It's a win-win situation. Now, what I'm about to get into after I fucking get the sneeze out. You gonna sneeze it? Wow. God, that's one damn. of the that's so satisfying. <laughs> oh yeah, it feels good. I was worried I was gonna lose that shit, which is yeah. the worst thing to happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's a fucking nosegasm. So what I'm about to get into now is I have assessed all the different things that have been claimed that could have happened. Now next week last week I kind of misspoke, and there's a lot of accounts that said that the boys had seen lights over this area. That they thought were aliens, so they kept going back. That sounds super believable to me. Yeah, and I got wrapped up in that. That's not the case um, because a lot, all of the pilots that uh, John John Brown, Detective John Brown, talked to, explained the route, and what they did is they just flew low with no lights on. So that would cut out the idea that they had seen aliens. Okay. I believe that they were just hunting in woods by their house that they frequented all the time. And why do I know that teenagers frequented these woods to drink and shoot shit in? Well, there was another group of teenagers in the woods at this time. Tom Nihas and his group of friends uh, were in the woods. And he actually was able to give an interview on what he saw. Um, He's going to end up dead. Unsolved murder as well. Uh, A person that was supposedly there that was, in fact, a federal informant for other cases for years with a great track record, including knowing... Oh, man, I'm so bad with fucking names. I was just talking about her. Jean Duffy. Uh, she she worked for Jean Duffy. She had a good reputation as far as being an informant goes because she was, like, doing cocaine and meth and shit. Uh, Charlene Wilson. Now, Charlene Wilson had known... 
Dan Harmon since fucking high school. She had been involved with him, had known him for years. So even on his way to becoming a police officer and then a prosecutor, all this shit, she had been involved with his entire life. Now, right after these murders happened, she wrote a five-page confession. Mm-hmm. What she confessed was that she was there when these boys... And again... Completely unprovoked, completely unprompted. Nobody was looking for a murder at this time. She came forward, guilty conscience, and put in five page as de- and now the it, it's it's rambling, it's written shittily. Three notaries, which can just be an attorney, sat there and watched her fill this entire thing out, made an official report of it. It's still around to this day. How do we know it's still around to this day? Because the same police file that two good, upstanding, law-abiding, wanting to do a good job for the region's officers, a a detective and a, a, a judicial drug task force head, Gene Duffy, had combed through this file over and over. The FBI had combed through the file. Wasn't there when they looked through it, but then... A retired police officer that was in good standing, had access to it, went back on the behalf of Mrs. Ives, looked through it, and found in the fucking police file the five-page confession that had been written in 1990. Yeah. Again, unprovoked for no reason, but they had to keep it in there because she put it in. But they had conveniently hidden it at times that were inconvenient for them. So going back... And looking at the fucking confession, the things that she says are pretty believable. Now, the the first thing she points out is that she didn't see how the bodies got there. She was doing cocaine and methamphetamine and partying with Dan Harmon. So they were together. This emergency came up. They had to go out in the woods. She was sitting in the car drinking, snorting cocaine. While she was doing that is apparently when the bodies probably showed up. Because in the confession... She says that she can provide who put the bodies on the track as well as a pretty good idea of who brought the bodies to the track, which again indicates that it was two people involved in two different crimes. So somebody put the bodies on the track and somebody committed the murder, two different parties. She's in the car when the bodies show up, but from there she says that Dan Harmon and Mary Rochelle or I'm sorry, Larry Rochelle are the people who put, and Charlie uh, are the people who put the bodies on the train tracks and Charlene saw the entire thing. She was just too fucked up and out of her mind to do anything about it. She felt bad about it the entire time. And then she of course came to, and then wrote out the confession of everything that happened. Now piecing that together with what Tom Nyhouse said in his interview, which was recorded on camera immediately before he was unsolved murdered that's what i'm gonna go off of so kevin and don are in the woods they go out from what their parents could confirm mrs ives they were at ives house they go out at midnight to go hunting they're wearing camouflage they both have rifles they're going to hunt small game again they do this shit all the time sounds crazy but that's what they do while they're out in the hoods hunting tom nyehouse has got a group of friends that are doing essentially the same thing. They've got pistols. 
rifles. They're drinking beers. They're a little bit older than these boys. They're 17 and 18. They're fucking around in the same patch, which again, completely common. That's what kids do in this region. You drink in the woods, you make fires, you get fucked up, you fuck out there. That's just kid shit. There's nowhere else to go. I mean, imagine like, let's say you live in a city, right? And you have a new girlfriend and you guys want to fuck each other. You live with your parents. She lives with her parents. Now there's not really anywhere in a big city to go hide and have sex, but you'll find a way. You'll figure out how to do it. Now, if you live in the country, there's a whole area of uncharted land that people aren't in all the time. You got an old tree bench. That's so easy to sneak off to and fuck in. Yeah. That's what kids do. That's what they're up to all the time. So from Tom's account, not Charlene's, him and his group of friends are hanging out. They see a flashlight shining around. So they try to sneak close and see what's going on. He sees Dan Harmon. How does he know it's Dan Harmon for sure? Well, funny you should ask. He's got a flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, but it's dark. He's seen a figure who you can't be 100% certain unless... You got a flashlight. <laughs> Dan Harmon is dating your fucking mom. Okay. And in which case, you'll know exactly who's fucking your mom. Is Dan Harmon watching them fuck? No. They're not fucking. I'm um, just saying hey. it's common for kids to be in the woods. Yeah. So he sees Dan Harmon, immediately recognizes him, and then he sees another flashlight coming towards Dan Harmon. He can see that there's two other people with Harmon who are full-grown people, he doesn't know who they are. He sees another group coming down the tracks. Dan Harmon is group to the left of the tracks. He can tell that it's younger kids. Three of them. He doesn't know exactly who it is because the flashlight's pointed towards him. As that group gets closer, he notices Dan Harmon's group notice the other group and turn their flashlight off and try to duck back. So at that time, Tom and his friends try to get a little bit closer, but before they can get too close, they hear a gunshot and take the fuck off. Mm-hmm. So... They don't know if it was Kevin and Don's gun that went off or vice versa. Now, the kids weren't shot, so it could have been a shot in the air, a warning shot. Who knows? Uh, that part doesn't really even matter because we know how they died. So they took off, left them in the woods. Um, they also don't know if it was the kids or not. There's no way to be 100% certain, but we do know what transpired after that. And uh, the people that were with Don, we can't exactly confirm at this particular time. But what was happening that night, what the kids saw that caused the problem, why there was a gunshot, why people fled, is because Charlene, Dan Harmon, and Larry Rochelle are out in the woods waiting for the cocaine to fall out of the plane. This is one of the drop sites that the plane that was going to Mina hit on the regular, A-12. That's where they dropped cocaine at. So who receives the cocaine? You have to have a trustworthy person that lives in town to pick it up and get paid for it. That's Dan Harmon. He's known Charlene forever. She likes to do cocaine. You know, she's not going to tell on you because she wants the coke. There she is to pick up the coke with Dan and go about their business. So that happens that night. The next day. The kids are in town. They're freaked out. They've basically, uh, in in addition to that, you know, they've told their parents that they saw some sketchy shit in the woods. They're running around town. And we're talking uh, Keith, Coney, Kevin, and Don. 
they go to the nearest grocery store the next morning. They're trying to sort out everything that they've gone into. And while they're at the grocery store, now Keith Coney owns a motorcycle. He's a cool kid in town. Rock and mullet. You know, if you've got like a, a little shitty fucking dirt bike, you're the guy. You know yeah. what I mean? You're doing the coolest shit. You're probably yeah. a pizza delivery guy. You're living the life. Yeah. So while they're hanging out in front of the grocery store, which again, that if you live in a big city, uh, you don't understand shit like this small town. That's the only business. They probably have a deli to get breakfast sandwiches at. They probably have benches to sit in front of. They probably have coffee. That's just kind of what it looks like. In the a donut shop and a deli is the same thing in Arkansas. Yeah, and a grocery store. They're all the same fucking yeah. place, especially in Bitten at the time. So fucking cops show up. Uh, it's uh, Jay Campbell and God damn it, my handwriting sucks. It's Kirk. I think it's Lynette officer Kirk Lynette and officer Jay Campbell show up. Keith Cooney sees him jump out of the squad car. Look like they mean business coming towards the boys. He's fucking jumps on his motorcycle and takes off. Uh, the officers don't even pay attention to him. They fucking smack the boys around, throw them in the car. Now that is what Keith Coney went to tell his friend, Mr. McCaskill who works at the wagon wheel which is right across the street. And on top of that, what is the wagon wheel? It's not open anymore. It's not, the, but what is it? It's what, a bar. What was it? A bar, okay. bar and restaurant. Yeah. Like, uh, and again, it's like they're open for lunch. I say bar, but it's like also, you know, bar yeah, and grill yeah, type yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get small town shit. You have you some birds. at the time you have like two restaurants in the entire town. Uh, it, it it's the place where in sling blade, they're eating, they're sitting down and eating fries. That's a dairy shack. Yeah, it's that in Sling Blade. Yeah. It's called that in Sling Blade. Okay. But in real life, this is the place. Okay. So, thanks. Yeah, but it's also the Dairy Shack right now. No. Okay. I just Why do you do shit like this? I love it. I like seeing your beady fucking eyes. <laughs> you, you're fucking an idiot, dude. We're recording a stare, podcast. A lot of people soul. listen to it. You're fucking it up. Uh... Yeah, it's called the Dairy Shack in the movie to not make it an actual fucking just like a dollar store is not called Dollar General, but that's yeah. literally what it is. I just like arguing with you. I know you lived like maybe a mile away from it at one point. Yeah, that Dairy Shack is not the same thing at all. There's nowhere to sit there, you fucking moron. There's a couple of picnic tables out there outside, but they're sitting inside of a room. You said there wasn't nowhere to sit. No, I didn't. <laughs> I hate you, man. I want to smack you around so bad. Oh, yeah. Give me hug. Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, wait a derail fucking story. Listen, the kids got fucking picked up, right? Coney goes to tell McCaskill exactly what happened. At that time, McCaskill is kind of a paranoid guy that's got problems with these particular cops anyway. It's like, holy shit, they're going to kill your fucking friends. And they race out to the fucking tracks. Now, independently, I got to look through my fucking notes here, which I know is not the most professional thing of all time. But uh, there's two guys, the owner of the wagon wheel. Also, basically, the wagon wheel's right there. So he just made a big lap. He fucking ran off from the cops and blocked over, and they were right there. The owner of the wagon wheel and another fucking upstanding citizen who's I'm such a fucking idiot. Sorry. I'm trying to search through it. There's two people who independently of one another corroborate the story. No. Okay. Okay. Cool. So here's why I fucked up. The owner of the wagon wheel heard it secondhand from someone else. And then an entirely different person who was a great human being that lived in the community 
saw it eyewitness. So the guy, the owner of the wagon wheel, came forward to Gene Duffy and told her about how the boys got abducted right outside the grocery store. And then a man who was going to the laundromat in the same complex saw it happen himself. Also spoke with Gene Duffy. They had both called the police, talked about it, how these officers came and roughed the kids up. Now, the both of them said that when the cops showed up, which is uh, Officer Kirk and Officer Campbell, they smacked the boys. Uh, Kevin got hit in the back of the head with a rifle. And so when they threw him into the car, likely that is what killed him. Just getting fucking bashed by a giant man with a rifle butt that could easily kill a human being, uh, a, a teenage human being. So while McCaskill's hearing about it, the owner heard about it secondhand from somebody else. McCaskill takes Coney and races to the fucking railroad tracks to see what he can see what he can see. Because again, he's paired with the cops. He's been in a lot of trouble before. He's like a rough guy. And so they get out there. Uh, McCaskill does, and they, they see nothing. There's no, nothing going on in the tracks right now. So, they had killed the fucking kids, put them in the car. The officers call Dan Harmon. They stay low key, hide the bodies until it gets dark. Once it gets dark, Dan Harmon. And again, this is going back to Charlene's testimony, the written confession that she given and the story she sticks with still today. That her at the time she's in the car doing cocaine on methamphetamine, which is hard to believe, but I'll tell you this. Those are two drugs that don't make you forget shit. That make you... Like, if you've been drinking all night, you're going to forget everything. Yeah. If you've been drinking all night and then do cocaine, well, you're, thing, you're it, back in it. How many of you guys have been drunk? And Everyone. Then, and then you just fucking forget. Yeah. Well, I've never done meth. I've definitely done cocaine. Um, It just keeps you going. It brings you back. It brings you it's back. It's like a shot of adrenaline. It, it, you go from being, like, blackout... Into being present. You are able to keep going. Right. So if you're on only uppers, you're doing a lot of fucking remembering. Yeah. So she, again, is in the car when the when they show up with the bodies. She doesn't see who brought the bodies there. She only sees who uh, the aftermath of it. So she sees the kids. She sees two kid bodies. And she sees, again, Dan Harmon and his friends take the bodies Place them on the track. Yeah. The next thing that's known with the bodies is the train runs over them. Again, there's no blood spatter. Uh, it goes through the, the state medical examiner who says that it was a for sure drug-related suicide, which is overturned to say it's a for sure homicide. The state doesn't want to go with that story of a way more reputable medical examiner. You can just see, I'm just running through to make sure everything's lining up together. The cycle of bullshit that we're dealing with here to cover up a simple thing. What happened is these three kids saw drugs being dropped from the sky received by these people. Yeah. They didn't, they couldn't let that information get out there. It would ruin the whole thing. It would. So they had to kill him and they did. That's exactly what they did. Now McCaskill, he is the closest thing to a witness that they have besides from Kevin, um, Keith Cooney, Coney. Now Keith Coney dead unsolved murder teenager mm-hmm. did, did they don't see that as related 
to this crime at all, first of all. So you have three teenage kids. They were together. This kid is the one that's able to corroborate the story. He went directly to his mother, told his mother what he saw happen. His mother can corroborate the whole thing. Now, how would that be possible unless his mother saw the news stories and decided to just come along and make up all this bullshit? Yeah. Does that seem like we're talking at this point uh, when she was interviewed for a documentary I saw in 2015. Do you really think that an old woman who lost her son would hang on to something like that for that long and be able to corroborate it over and over again from what her son said? Now, she asked her son who the men were that put the kid that 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 um, that they saw. And he said that he couldn't tell her, which she thought that maybe he didn't know. So she's not even on the side that like they talked to him beforehand. What? I think they talked to him beforehand. The way the Central Intelligence Agency works with their tactics is that they they're they're gonna they're gonna threaten you. Well it wasn't the CIA to, that killed him. It's these fucking guys. That's what they say. No, dude, it was it was it Central was Central Intelligence Agency was freelance at some yeah. point in time. They, well the, uh Harmon was involved with these federal agents, like I said. Yeah. And I'm gonna get into that a little bit more in just a second. But point being that they were for sure killed, even if they were involved with the CIA by these two cops. They were able to clarify personality disorders in the 90s. Okay. Um, anti-personality disorder, prime. So when, you, when you're looking at the top level of guys who killed the most in the military, they're also going to be the guys that you hire for the Central Intelligence Agency. Okay, well, let me – okay. So at this point – uh, his mom sticks with the story that he saw two guys. He told his mom he can't tell her who it is. Now, mm-hmm. she took that to mean either one, he couldn't because he was afraid, or two, he couldn't because he didn't know who they were. It could have been either or. Yeah. Now, to what you're saying as far as the FBI goes, let's look at this I'm fucking... CIA. CIA, sorry. Let's look at this connection. Bob Govar, the federal agent. Yeah. Uh, Jay Campbell is one of the fucking cops that was involved in the whole thing. Listen to this shit. Years later... I'm talking about 2006. This is how long their relationship had been going on. 2006, they used Act 309 local prisoners to clear a private lot for Bob Govar to build a home. Act 309 is like, uh, let's say you got arrested Mm -hmm. and uh, you were up for federal charges and you were going to go to trial for it. So, like, you know, if you're a federal prisoner and you live somewhere and let's say we have like a work release. Or a county prisoner. We have a work release. Like, you can go there and do work. It wouldn't be this. But even so, these are prisoners that are, like, awaiting trial. They are absolutely to not be used for anything. Mm -hmm. So they they were using these prisoners to clear a private lot for Bob Govar to build a home. Brought out by Jay Campbell, the police officer that was involved in killing these kids. So Bob Govar ends up, of course, completely getting out of it. Saying he had no idea what was going on. It was just people working on his lot to him. Jay Campbell got... Sentenced to 40 years in 2007, but the entire case was thrown out in 2009 because of incompetence. Guess who the judge that caused the incompetence was? Judge John Cole. And not only was he the judge that got the trial thrown out, but they brought him out of retirement to put Jay Campbell on trial. Saline County corruption. Yeah. Uh, 2010... Because they brought the the feds brought the case back up, he got ten years after pleading guilty to seven felonies. Is that not insane? And that's just that's just the federal agent's connection to one of the police officers accused of killing the boys. Now, yeah. let's get back to even sketchier. 
McCaskill that worked at the wagon wheel. He's six foot tall, 250 pounds. Everyone knows him as like a rough country guy. He knows how to handle himself. He works at a bar. He's not a fucking bitch. So he's found stabbed over 100 times. It's one of the most gruesome murder scenes anyone's ever documented in the area. There's blood sprayed everywhere. The entire thing gets blamed on a 19-year-old neighbor who weighs 160 pounds. He has an IQ of 81. Dumb. Well, yeah, exactly. There's no way that this guy killed a six-foot-tall, 250-pound man that's been in some shit. The kid's name was Ronald Shane Smith. An obvious feeb. IQ of 81 is super low. Uh, He went and told his father, who rushed and told police that were cleaning up the crime scene, that he saw the killers come in. They were dressed in all black with masks on. That he tried to stop them. They stabbed him in the hand and beat him up. And on the way out, they handed him a paper bag on a silver tray. He got scared, so he went and threw the silver tray and the bag into the river. Which, that sounds completely unbelievable. Is is one thing that he's going to have to overcome. Now, all he said was that they have masks. The reason why this got thrown out in court and he got convicted of the murders is because in the paper bag on the silver tray that he threw in the river were bloody clothes, VHS tapes, and a silver tray. Now... Crime scene experts say that if there was bloody clothes and it was thrown into the river in the time period that they found him, there's no way that they would have had DNA still attached to it that could have proven that this kid did it. Not true. Okay. I don't I don't think. Anyway, so he threw all this shit in the river and then he said they were wearing masks. Well, when the cops talked to him, again, we're talking about somebody with an IQ of 81. And yeah. we've seen how police operate, especially when they want a confession from somebody. At some point, he said they were like clown masks. At another point, he said they were black masks. Yeah. Uh, because of that particular trip up, he got convicted of murdering this guy. Now, I don't see how it would ever be possible again, even if I wasn't like what I would consider an expert in combat sports for a fucking 160 pound, 19 year old, to stab a full grown six foot tall, 250 year old person, 100 times. Yeah. How does, I don't even think one person could stab another human being a hundred times. They could, but, but it's going to take a lot of fucking stamina and, like, if he's fighting you off, if you're able to stab him that many times and he's got defensive stab wounds, I, it's not it's not going to end like that. Yeah, You're no. not just going to stand there and keep stabbing him. It's not no. going to happen. No. He's going to get a hold of you. You may kill him. That's possible. But not like that. No. Um, yeah, there, there, there's so much... There's so much fuckery in this entire case. But, again, b- before you, you move on to that, I just want to say about that case, Judge John Cole... Okay. Again, yeah. is who that's fuckery wouldn't normally be involved in a case like that. Made sure that he was over this case yeah. to sentence Ronald Shane Smith because he's paid off. Yeah, I mean, he's involved in the whole thing, in my opinion. I mean, from top to bottom, that's documented. That's documented that he was paid off. Yeah, definitely. He got in trouble for it. They all did. All these people. And that's what I'm going over right now is, uh, you know, I told you about the Bob Govar and Officer Jay Campbell shit. Um Hang on to what you're going to go into. Okay. Uh, Dan Harmon. He's been indicted on so much shit since this happened. Uh, he, uh, he was, again, the prosecutor of the 7th District. Well, 
three years after the case got reopened by John Brown, who got run off again by prosecutor Dan Harmon. As soon as he got done being the district prosecutor, he got arrested Four drug trafficking charges, one racketeering charge, one extortion charge, went to prison for that for fucking 14 years, 2010, right after he got out, he got arrested selling pills and methamphetamine and heroin in Sheridan near a Sheridan school, which was part him getting picked up was part of a six month sting that 12 people, including police officers were arrested in another fucking conspiracy. Yeah. So the same guy that we're supposed to, to think in our minds is just a prosecutor. This is the guy that was talking to the media. This was the guy that saying that there was no leads. This was the person who would prosecute anyone involved. Well, he wasn't going to prosecute the police officers that he had kill the kids because he had him kill the kids. He wasn't going to prosecute his fucking self because he's himself. He's able to get away with all this shit because he was at the top. And that is who Bill Clinton had in charge of that area to receive drugs and deliver to him. Now, how can we say, oh, it's Bill Clinton and not make it some big Clinton kill count conspiracy? Because we know at the time Bill Clinton was the fucking governor of the state, the governor of the state that released Barry Seals from fucking certain prison time and being able to roll over the government to give them enough time to have Barry Seals murdered so he couldn't testify against the entire government operation that had set him in the position that he was in, which went all the way to the top. And then what did Bill Clinton do after he was governor of Arkansas? He became the goddamn president of the United States. We went over all this last week, and it just all ties back into what I'm telling you. And if you still don't believe that Bill Clinton couldn't have had anything to do with it, the the medical investigator that we were talking about that was such a bumbling fucking fool, when Bill Clinton was pressed on the very fact that he had hired this man and was known to be friends with this man, how could he fuck up so much shit and still be an employee of the state? Bill Clinton said, oh, he's just overworked. And gave him a 14% pay raise. Yeah. I mean, 41% pay raise. He got another $14,000 a year mm-hmm. in the early 90s to continue doing a shit-ass job. Why? Because he was in Bill Clinton's fucking pocket. When he fucked up cases on Clinton's behalf, that's how he kept doing what he was doing. Wouldn't you fire that guy? Not if he was covering up for me. Exactly, because he's the perfect person to work for you. You can't let... And the fucking LA Times, one of the biggest newspapers in the goddamn world, covered the entire thing yeah. and went back and said, we need to look into why Bill Clinton is covering this shit-ass employee and giving him a raise. Time Magazine. They all did. And, and, it, and it got... And this is the classic Clinton move, is that it, everything that was terrifying on Bill Clinton got covered up by trivial bullshit. Now, not trivial to some people because what covered this up? The Paula Jones trial, Troopergate. You know, you were completely willing to overlook the fact that Bill Clinton was murdering children to receive cocaine and clearly bring in cocaine through Arkansas as a part of an CIA's network, which was ruled by George Bush, you were completely willing to overlook that when you thought that he was raping women. Yeah. There's an argument to be said about technology being way more advanced than it is now. You could make a mask of fucking Pamela Anderson in the 90s 
Pass that. You whatever's hot in the fucking eighties. And you could bone Hillary Clinton because she was not fucking attractive. You slap a fucking <laughs> Pamela. All right. In the nineties? No, yeah, you're right. She looked like a fucking <laughs> she looked like a fucking field trip chaperone. <laughs> So what they did was they go, hey, we're going to slap this fucking mask on of a hot lady. You can bone her. You'll get her pregnant. There will be a kid. Right. You have the kid. Everything is solidified. Because prior to this is the fact that everybody's like, oh, no, he would never, ever marry an ugly fuck like this cunt. Yeah. And well, yeah, like we were saying in the trooper gate, is that all those troopers said that they they, they covered up for Bill fucking all these women because they looked at him and Hillary's marriage as just like a political move. Yeah. They were both politicians. They saw what was going on. He just liked to fuck, so whatever. Yeah, whatever. He's a cool exactly. dude. Yeah, he is a cool dude. To a degree, until you understand exactly what's going on now, to further cement this shit. And I'm just trying to give you, again, not conspiratorial bullshit. Just actual facts that you can look into. Charlene Wilson, who wrote the five-page confession. Again, that was found in 2015 by a retired police officer that Mrs. Ives had asked to find it as a private investigator. When she got that fucking confession, Charlene Wilson confirmed it. So what she did is she took it to the then uh, Saline County prosecutor, Ken Cassidy. Again, the prosecutor is who makes charges. They decide who is and isn't going to go on trial. Not who's going to go to jail, but if you're going to get charged with something, it's through the prosecutor. It's not through police. Ken Cassidy tells Mrs. Ives to take the letters to the new sheriff. Not not the new sheriff, the sheriff. So instead of, he doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't even want to see him. She tells him, she tells her to take it to the sheriff. Who's the sheriff at the time? Rodney Wright. Who's sheriff? Rodney Wright. Dan Harmon's nephew. Yeah. She knows it. So what you're telling me is the confession that puts Dan Harmon in the driver's seat for putting these kids' bodies on the track. Yeah. Even if he didn't have them hit by these police officers, even if the conspiracy goes all the way to the CIA and they did it, he still was physically pointed at by at least three people to be the person there when the kids were put on the track and nothing less. And so you're trying to tell me that this kid's mom who now has the five page confession that implicates Dan Harmon, the current prosecutor, Ken Cassidy is not going to take it himself, but make you take it to his nephew. And you think that's going to go somewhere? I don't, I don't really give a fuck what anybody says. Central Taylor Jay-Z is not private. What they do is they, they outreach to other Law officials, and they're they're able to find the most corrupt pieces of shit. Right. The drug the drug test force. I'm fucking hammered. I know the drug test. We know <laughs> force agency <laughs> is one of the most corrupt fucking agencies. In Absolutely, the it started that way. Again, all they're doing is drumming up business. If you collect and closing drugs, out competitors, if you're collecting drugs, there's no way you're gonna taste that shit. You know. Yeah. Um, I. There, there's many times my grandpa has told me, he said, there is a lot, there's lots of people within the government that don't fucking, they're not, there's not a chapter in the book for those people. Right. Yeah, of course. And that's for sure. And even like the FBI records on this, 
there, there's all those spots where they've taken sharpies and blacked out certain pieces of evidence. Yeah. That's like, you know, why the fuck can't you see that? But I'm not even going off that. I'm going by like easily findable facts. I try as much as I can to not make it this vast conspiracy. And what yeah. you're saying certainly rings true. But I'm saying even if that's not the case, it's still fucking insane. I can tell you my aunt has the fucking books on this shit where it talks about. You talked about that last time. People like fucking Gary Webb. Yeah. Who released a, oh, yeah. uh, an entire thing about um, Dark Alliance, which LA Times. And he was talking about. Um, oh, fuck. Uh, Freeway Rick Ross. Freeway Rick Ross. Yeah. Which is okay, and if you don't know that, the rapper Rick Ross stole his name from the real drug trafficker Rick Ross, who was the original big time Interstate ninety five cocaine dealer. He took product that he got from the government and sold it to the streets, and he got arrested and sent away. Now, why was he used by the government? Because he was dumb as fuck. Yeah. Now, he was very smart in regard to drug dealing. Yeah. He had tons of street smarts, but he literally did not know how to read. He had no education at all. Zero. He was a street kid. His mother was a crack whore. Or not a crack whore. Because they, he basically brought crack in for the first time. But she was she was fucking drugged out prostitute. Now, yeah. what Rick Ross did, and you, you, again, you, you should look into the shit because he wrote a book about it. And he was sent to prison for life. For life. And he was able to teach himself how to read in prison. Look through these books in prison. Correspond with people that helped him get out of prison, including Rick Ross. No, Rick Ross got himself out of prison via the guy that you're saying. I forgot his name. The fucking guy. Gary Webb. Gary Webb. Gary Webb was a... Jesus Christ, I'm you sorry. drunk fucking idiot. No, no, no. no. I, I, I'm Gary trying... Webb helped Rick Ross get out of prison he because did. he knew... The facts of what happened because he was involved in it. Or well, Rick Ross taught himself how to read while he was in prison. That's what I said. And became his own lawyer. Yes. He was able to go, hey, this is what happened. Uh, why is Oliver Webb not in prison? And he's got his own TV show on fucking Fox News. Yeah. Um, what What's stupid as fuck about this whole situation is that you take a, un, a quote unquote uneducated person. This guy was very smart. Right, but just not book smart. Yeah. Again, he didn't... For what they needed him for, he was a goddamn genius. For selling drugs, best in the business. Yeah. But he was the perfect patsy because he couldn't fucking read. He even talked about how fucking Oliver Webb came to his house to teach him how to make crack cocaine. Correct. Which is the origin. And look, this is another thing that happens in America that I 100% believe is it's a dumb conspiracy among idiot Republicans that they think that the government did not make crack to take a shit on black people. No, for they sure. They absolutely did because cocaine is an expensive drug. What is the difference between... No, crack is not... It, it is an inexpensive drug. That's regular, what I'm saying. Regular cocaine is a white person's drug. It's a, okay, buddy. You're fucking hammered. You got to take things in stride. Sure. You have to listen. I'm listening. Regular cocaine, not yeah. crack. Expensive. Yeah. How do you make it cheap? Turn it into crack. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He was taught to do that. Use baking soda. Exactly. You cook it up. Stretch it out. Science. Smoke it. Uh, and Rick Ross was taught that by the government to bring it in. Now, it destroyed communities. Completely. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, this is before methamphetamine. Now, methamphetamine today, 
You don't even hear about crack anymore no. because of meth. Because meth is even cheaper, and and, and it, it it's not even just black white. It's super low income communities. Well, think about this: is the fact that uh, in L.A., uh, when people like Black Panthers, prime example, they decided to defend themselves against white people who were fucking them up and putting them in jail. Yeah, gangs formed from that, and whenever gangs formed from that, they became crack dealers. Right. So the fucking idea idea of Crips versus Bloods is from that era where they were trying to outsell each other on crack cocaine. So whenever crack cocaine was this thing where people were making a shitload of money, you didn't have to have education at all. Yeah. You could just sell that shit, make millions of dollars, fuck everybody else. You don't have to report to the IRS. Yeah. Until the 90s, 80s and 90s. Um, Rick Ross served a shitload of fucking prison prison time. and he was, Well, he was in for life. He was in for life, yeah. He got himself out. And he, he ended up serving like damn near 20 years. For sure. And then he taught himself how to read. Yeah. He defended himself. We he said was that. able to get the fuck out. Yeah. When he got the fuck out. And let's talk about what happened to Webb. That's where you started off. With well, he, he got out. Well, Gary Webb contacted him in prison. Right. And was like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. He did. Yes. He got out. Yep. Then he went down again for cocaine. And Gary Webb helped him get out because he was involved. Well, he, he did a second uh, prison sentence. Right. And then. Rick Ross. Rick Ross did. Yeah. yeah. Gary Webb was found later on with a suicide note with a multiple gunshot wound to the head. I'm not talking two times. I'm talking Four times in the fucking head. Correct. He shot himself four times in the head with a suicide note saying that everything was a lie and it's bullshit. Yeah. He wrote The Dark Alliance. Yep. Which talked about the Mena Arkansas connection, Los Angeles cocaine, crack cocaine, and how the government was in fucking cahoots with everybody as far as Nicaragua government goes. So there's that. I'm hammered. Yeah, you're fucking up bad. Uh, but but what you're saying is is still easy to follow. Like, like the the cocaine had been brought into America by the government. I mean, I know we've said it like nine times, and I feel like we're heavily repeating ourselves. Buddy is definitely because he's drunk. But we're we're looking at, you know, just so you understand the motivation all the way down to a small town Arkansas level. The reason why so much money is coming in is because all the government was doing was eliminating competitors. They're making themselves the biggest drug dealer yeah. by way of making it dangerous for anyone else to deal drugs. And as that person, they they have to find people to get the drugs into the street. I mean, fucking Bill Clinton can't walk into the street with crack cocaine and sell it to people. No. You got to have middlemen in between it. And you got to find the right people. And when one of your big people, Rick Ross, again, an- another person that's easy to Google, uh, goes down for it. When he can't read, that's all the better. But he figured his way out. Anyway, moving on from that. I mean, the, the Clintons just have an entire history of shit like this. Uh, um, my, my my grandpa has a fucking photo book full of pictures of him and Bill Clinton. Yeah. My aunt has it. There's documents that show that Gary Webb was involved. And he told me when I was a kid, he said, if you want to know the, the, the true facts, he never t- ever told me that he was involved. Yeah. But he told me that there's a thing called the Dark Alliance. Yeah. And he and he told me that several times throughout my childhood. Yeah, the Dark Alliance is a real fucking thing. Yeah, the Central Intelligence Agency in, was involved in cocaine. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, again, going back to Mino that we talked about last week, they it, it's so real. 
but they made a fucking movie about it with Tom Cruise. Yeah. That Barry Steele shit is an absolute fact. Now, I wish I was lying about that. My grandpa was no, the most truthful person. I feel like he was threatened. I feel like he was threatened with death. Yeah, probably so, because again, this is the shit that happens. Gary Webb, shot dead. Uh, we talked about Bill Cooper before. Yeah. Uh, he was shot dead by federal agents, and you know they didn't even try to fake it as a suicide. But Bill they, Cooper is also the name of the guy who who was flying the air, the airplane into Nicaragua with cocaine and and fucking guns. One of them, yeah. And he was the that was the main fucking incident that delivered the fact that this was more than just that. You right. know, it was just more than drugs and fucking guns. Correct. It, the American people were involved. Yeah, absolutely. Government. I mean, that's what they do. They set up fucking governments. There's two. They have coups. Al Qaeda. Uh, they they try to you know we do, we do all this shit about like recently like Russian corruption they try to meddle in our election that's all the fuck we do with the reason that Osama bin Laden I believe we talked about this last time so I hate to droll on about the same shit became to have the army that he has because we set him up to fight the Soviets yeah and that's common knowledge but you know the day before nine eleven he was in a fucking American embassy discussing the fact that he was going to attack the fucking twin towers with. Fucking shit. But, I mean, but yeah, stupid. Gary Webb got fucking killed. Bill Cooper got killed. Uh, how about, let's talk about for just one brief second. This makes people in Little Rock so mad. Vince Foster got killed. He was a Clinton attorney. He was found on a fucking park bench in a huge park in Washington, D.C. of apparent suicide. His fucking suicide note is ridiculous. It's like, I'm wrong. I lied. It's just nobody would believe that the Clintons are innocent, so I tried to do this. Yeah. Well, these fucking suicide notes and cover-ups on murders are, to me, so transparent and to the average person, too. And this is what fucks up conspiracy theories is when things like this happen that are so obvious and then they get muddled up by people saying that Sandy Hooks was a hoax. Yeah. Shit like that ruins the whole thing. Because if, if someone tells you about Vince Foster and then in the same breath they tell you about Sandy Hook being a hoax, you can't believe anything they say. No. And it's almost like that's intentional disinformation. And I hate, look, we're not a conspiracy podcast, but it comes up from time to time, especially when there's murder involved, especially right close to our town. This is where we're recording at. This shit's right up the street. The train track, again, is right behind where we record, so it hits close to home. And again, I got more conspiracy shit from the fucking town. Richard Garrett, who I told you at the beginning, was the assistant. He's a deputy prosecuting attorney to Dan Harmon. He's Dan Harmon's assistant. His house gets foreclosed when he's out of work. The bank takes it over. They sell it to a brand new out-of-state resident, someone who did not live in Saline County, someone who did not live in Arkansas, someone who's never even fucking heard of these kids, the track, Dan Harmon, any of this shit. They have, he's got no fucking idea about fucking Kevin and Don, nothing. He moves in completely from out-of-state, buys the house, starts remodeling it, tears down a wall. Nothing to prove here. No one, no, he has no idea what fucking Mina is. When he tears the wall down, he finds it was a false wall concealing an entire meth lab. Now, of course, the guy, uh, it's a nice house. He's got a good job. An older gentleman with a family freaks the fuck out, calls the cops. I mean, what else do you do as a law-abiding citizen at that point? Throw it away? You can't just throw it out in your fucking trash. He calls 911. The police send one officer to come out. When the officer comes out, Shows him the drug lab, asked him what he's supposed to do now. The cop, of course, says to the guy, which throws the guy off, that it was Richard Garrett's house. Now, the guy got it from the bank. 
Now, of course, he knows from looking at the paperwork that it belonged to Richard Garrett, but he finds it weird that the police officer knew that, too. The police officer says what he needs to do is just collect everything and take it to the dump. The owner says, I don't want to do that because if I have it in my car and I get pulled over, no one's going to believe that I put this drug lab in my car and drove it to the dump on my own accord. I'm going to get in trouble for having all this shit in my car to make methamphetamine. The officer says, yeah, you know, I thought about that, too, and I'll just escort you to drop this shit off to the dump. And that's what they did. Now, where have you ever heard of a fucking police officer looking at a drug lab, an entire methamphetamine manufacturing operation and deciding, you know what? Rather than process this as evidence or take a look deeper into the old owner of the house, who I already said, I know for a fact who it is. Forcing the current owner to pick it all up, put it in his car, and escorting him to the dump to dispose of it. That doesn't happen. That happens in Saline County, Arkansas, because we have family member upon family member upon family member covering up for generations of government corruption. Now, unfortunately, this shit is still going on to this very day. Linda Ives... Kevin I's mother has been back and forth with the local government, the state government, and the federal government the entire time. This came up in 2016 for Freedom of Information Act, meaning that the way that federal law works after that many years, Linda Ives should easily be able to walk in and get the information about this case herself so she knows everything that happened from point A to point B. That's federal law. The local government will not give it to her. She's been going through a lawsuit this entire time just to get the files opened for her to look at herself. How insane is that? Does that happen anywhere else? I fucking doubt it. And it's all on document and no one's doing anything about it. You, you, you just have to fucking think that everything has to be crooked to a degree for us to live the life we live. That's true. But, that's what I want to get out of here on is just we started off last episode to prove Bill Clinton's character, Hillary Clinton's character, the entire backwoods, good old boy system of Arkansas's character, how Bill Clinton got into the White House, all about Mina, what the entire operation entailed of and brought it back to right in our backyard of a, of a microcosm of national events where two fucking children died on behalf of the United States government importing a package, one package of cocaine and how it's very obvious we can all find the truth out and they still cover it up to this day. Are we conspiracy podcasts? No. But is this blatant bullshit? Absolutely. And we got to tell you about it because kids died. That's what we're talking about this week on Death Metal Dicks. Uh, Shout out to everyone who fucking supports us on Patreon. Matt Mess, Ryan Parker, new supporters, fucking everyone we love. You know we love you. We say your name every week. Uh, Lacey, Lacey Doyle. Fucking everybody. We love yeah. you guys. Uh, we've, we've just run long. we got to get out of here. Yeah. Hail Satan. Happy New Year. Yeah. We could fucking move on to some nasty. The song is Nazem. Nazem. I hear lies. And that's all we hear around this fucking area. That's We're bullshit. probably going to die as a result of this. If we yeah. end up in fucking jail or dead, you know why. All right? Yeah. You know the fuck why. Bill's still alive, okay? Bill's still going. And people will be, I mean. He looks rough. People in Arkansas are already mad at us over this shit. So I, I can only imagine after that. I'm glad. I'm, I can only imagine this getting worse because we're fueling a fire here. So yeah. we're fucking risking our dicks for you guys. Hail Satan. Hail America. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. See you next week with some fucking different type of murders.
<laughs> yeah, bye. Bye.